Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. Round one done and in the can and look chances are by the time you're listening to this episode round two is happening this very day or you're already a game or two through but regardless we're here to chat you through not just some strategy stuff into round two but to help navigate you through the next couple of weeks joining me on this episode as you've heard him right throughout the preseason, i've got louis on hello buddy how are you man Good, thanks, mate. It's really good to have had round one behind us and we can start talking some trade strategy. Uh, lots to unpack from this first round of 42, as there always is after round one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And also on this episode, the 2020 DT champion, co-founder and a genuinely good human being. I've got Rids. Hello, buddy. Hey, mate. How are you? Sorry, I couldn't <laughs> find the mute button. <laughs> You're going, that's not me. That's not me at all. No, 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 it is. All right, lads, there is a lot we got to get to. We got. I want to get to some Patreon questions. Uh, we've had some great questions that we absolutely want to make sure we, we answer for them. If you would love to get your questions on the podcast, you can become a Patreon. All the details for that are at coachespanel.tv. A massive th- shout out to Julie Evans, who's just jumped in in the past couple of days as a premium tier Patreon. We appreciate your support, Julie, and hope you have a fantastic 2022 season. So we want to get to some of those questions. I want to talk about corrective trades. I want to talk about cash cows. We want to look at stuff across the formats but let's start right at maybe what should be one of the most intriguing parts of the conversations and that is man did we have some great scores on the weekend and some probably some unicorn scores that we're never gonna get it's dangerous i know louis and rids to say that teams should have a specific priority because there's different variables teams all that stuff but louis from your perspective what should be coaches' number one priority this week, regardless of the format they play? What should they be looking for with their teams and the trades that they may or may not need to make? Oh, well, as we know, mate, cash generation is a massive thing um, in all the formats. Then you, you've got the best opportunity to get it right after round one. So you can make your fix-up trades. Maybe you miss missed a a Nick Martin or maybe you picked a Mitch Owens, which I did in my case. After round one, you should be relatively happy with your team. We might go into some of the mid prices and premiums a little bit later in this podcast. But Mm. after round one, you've decided this is the team I'm going in with. They've played their one game. And now now you've got a little bit of data to just have a look at those rookies and which ones look like they're going to be capable of scoring which ones are going to have some good job security and which ones are actually going to generate that cash so that you can downgrade them later on in the season to get up to the premiums that you want to choose later on. So for me, the number one rule is really just identifying which cash cows I need to get, which ones I missed and making sure that I can get them in my team as soon as possible, because I know that's going to be the ticket to upgrade my team as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's good. And especially in AFL fantasy this week, where we've already seen the prices begin to start moving. Like I think something like a Nick Martin's already gone up around that 70, 80 K. And even just a couple of forties over the next few weeks, he's still going to generate a hundred to $200,000. So yeah, these cows that if you've missed them in that format, 
gee whiz, you might want to make those corrective moves this week to be able to get them. But I suppose, Ridson, I'm keen on your AFL fantasy take in a second. But in, in Dream Team and Supercoach, where it's a three-week price cycle change, so the urgency to jump on a cow after a breakout round, like a Martin, like a Hayes, like a Rochelle, um, what should the trading priority be for teams this week that don't have a significant injury like a Christian Sale? So, MJ, the biggest problem this year is we've got an unknown factor called COVID, okay, yeah. and health. What are they calling it these days? Health Some and safety of... protocols, yes. Right, yeah. So an American safety. Well, they don't care about health and safety protocols when they enter the field, but they do any other time of the week. So, <laughs> But let me not go there, okay? So we got this massive unknown. Often I encourage people to sit on their trade, fix it trades until week two in Supercoach and Dream Team. Yeah. I actually think that variable this year, and it's very, very unknown, and it's going to be hard to predict. It means that maybe we're going to have to go a little bit earlier and we might need to jump on before the bubble, if that makes sense, mate, because we don't know what next week's going to happen, yeah? This no. time last week, okay, let's, what are we now? It's Wednesday, isn't it? Wednesday, so tomorrow, we're recording this. Tomorrow, last week, <laughs> we were sitting there watching someone like an Adam Chara Just going, to... what a great pick. What an awesome pick. Well done. Only a week later, less than a week later, we're actually going, guess who's out with the protocols now? Yeah. So, Jake Lloyd so, in a similar circumstance where Jake he was Lloyd. in starting squads and then he wasn't, albeit in a 24-hour window. And this means, though, that we may need to just be a little bit more proactive with trading. And we're just going to have to suck it up if we get any bad luck after that trade. But we, because at any stage, we don't know what's going to happen next week now. We don't even, like Michael Voss was already testing positive the morning after that game last week. Yeah. It's no, just it's such true. an unknown to this. So, there's no right, there's no wrong. No one knows what how this is going to work. Just be ready to be able to fix things up if you need to, okay? Would you use one of your, and Louis, I'm keen to get your thoughts on, on the people we should be targeting in that cash cow range in IFL Fantasy in a second, but Rids, is it worth using one of our trade boosts or being prepared to use one of our trade boosts in Dream Team and Supercoach where we get a handful of them a year where we can move one additional trade of our 35 trades in to make it. Is that a strategic play or would you want so, it for later? I reckon there's been a million conversations around trade boost in the last week or so, okay, on all the many, many different pods and everything else. The, the real thing about the trade boost is early in the season, you've already got pretty much the majority of your bench playing, okay, because that's how you've done it with the starting lineup. Now, if you trade it in a red dot through the week and they don't get named, then that's going to be a little bit more complicated, mm -hmm. but not unmanageable. So my problem would be is I want to use a trade boost when I really, really need to or when. I can actually make more cash and upgrade to a premium quicker than other teams. They're the sure. two scenarios. I don't want to use it if I've got someone playing on the bench that's going to give me 30, 40, 50 as a rookie price. Because again, as I keep saying, MJ, that's all we should be expecting from the majority of our rookies. Yeah. No, I, I think that's really fair. So let's come back to those rookies. And, and again, Louis, 
um, the prices have already moved for us and we've listed the break-evens of the players 20 right through and under right through to the negatives in AFL fantasy, but in, in maybe in a priority order, but you know, in a handful, who are the guys that if you don't have them, this is the week and this is the corrective trade you go and get, regardless of, you know, maybe how you get there. Who are these cows that for AFL fantasy coaches, they've just got to go after. Well, MJ, there's probably four that coaches yeah. really, really need. And I'm assuming most would have started with Nick Dacos. And for me, he would be priority one just because um, with him potentially, and I would say we're definitely adding um, defensive status. He's a shoe into, not a shoe in, I won't call it <laughs> that, but he's a good chance to be sitting in your defensive line um, after the buyers with his scoring time. and what he yeah. can potentially do. So Nick Dacos has got to be number one. I think you've got to jump on Nick Martin too. ASAP. He comes in with the minus 44 break even. So if he pops a, I don't know, just a modest 60, he's going to go up 60, 70, 80 K. And he's probably going to be one of those first guys that we can take off that bubble. Um, certainly in AFL fantasy and trade down to, um, to another rookie and actually get up on the other end for a premium. So he's yeah. going to be your ticket to it uh, as soon as possible. After that, you've got Jack Hayes, who was seriously impressive. Yep. I think he bought himself some job security on the weekend too. I, I know so, Ryder's too. playing BFL, I think this weekend, but gee, um, he's a chance to even keep Ryder out of the side for a couple of weeks, maybe until he, until he does have a bit of a poor game. Um, and then fourth is uh, Josh Rochelle from the Crows, your Crows MJ. He was seriously impressive. He's not going to kick five every single no. week, but he's kicked off his scoring with a minus seven break even. And he should be someone who's going to generate a little bit of cash over the next couple of weeks for us. And um, as you'll notice, all four of those guys, they do have that job security where you can rely on them for the next three, four, five weeks or however long you choose. And uh, MJ, I just wanted to piggyback on the mm. back of that COVID chat as well. Yeah. Um, as we pick up red dots over the next couple of weeks, uh, obviously looping uh, in all the formats is something that a lot of coaches do. But with those uh, COVID outs or the health and safety protocols, do you now question whether or not it's wise to actually use your loop? Because potentially you're going to be using a loop in a line where you actually have a laid out on a Saturday or a Sunday and you're not going to have anything to be able to fall back on. I'm actually still quite really comfortable with it. I, I, I think it all depends on the format. Um, but the key thing for me is the strategic component of the coach. Um, how um, risk averse are they? How intuitively are they in terms of who is that red dot that they traded into? For example, if they traded into a Sam Skinner because they wanted some versatility of DPP, similarly with, with an Elijah Hollands, I think it's going to be sooner rather than later that we see, you know, Skinner should be as early as this week with Alir Alir being out. I think he's more than likely to get named um, from a Port Adelaide perspective. So for me, the red dot, I actually think in AFL fantasy, we're the most unfamiliar or uncomfortable with using it. But with that utility position, um, you should be able to still be really, really aggressive in there. And there will be weeks that they come even in two, three, four, five, six weeks time where your cow hasn't quite fattened up, where your mid-price guy's still got a little bit of movement to go. And you don't, there will still be time in the next couple of weeks that if you do need to do a correctional red dot removal, um, you're going to have time to do that. So, yep, it, it could be um, really bad in time, 
but for me, I think if if you're smart and keeping an eye on that loophole strategy, it helps. Like imagine if you could do what you did last week with Hayes, Martin, and you get Rochelle. Like I, I think it opens up some great opportunities. But but what's your take on that, Reads, on, on red dot strategy? So there's a couple of interesting things on that, okay? So generally the rookies come, like the, the rookies with the best job security come from the lower teams from the year before. Yep. And generally the way the draw works is they get the later games in the, like each later, blah, 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 blah. they get the later games of the round, each round, if that makes sense. So yeah, no prime if you think about a Hawthorne, if you think about... North, um, North Adelaide, Melbourne, Gold Coast, all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Kilda, yeah. Yep. So you're always going to have that option to be able to get someone on at any stage because of the rolling lockout across all three formats now. Yeah. Um, so this is why I was sort of, and you know this, MJ, I've been saying this for years, and I sort of understand the 30 green dot, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a bad I strategy it. at all. Yeah, yeah. I, well, it's definitely is fine. But, I mean, we were sort of suggesting, like, I know I was making a comment last week saying, well, if you start with Gorn, you lock everyone out in the rucks and you don't even get to see what Hayes scores because, mm. you know, and that's why I was saying to people like Proust might be actually an option, even though he's been suspended for round one. Yep. And we not, and this isn't going to happen every week. Okay? No, Obviously. of course not. But, you know, Hayes is 26. We know that he's got a lot of history and he's got a lot of um, decent scoring history in, in the, the SN. And that deceitful. Geez, I'm struggling with words. You're doing well, mate. Stuff. You're doing well. Yeah. So, I mean, we know this kid can play. He wasn't yeah, going to no get a spot and just not do anything. Like, so, I mean, that was always a viable option. Now, if people can sleep better at night having the center forgets and just didn't want to go the 30 there, dots and fine. guess what? Yeah. MJ, he's got DPP, so he can still be a rookie for yeah, that's an right. emergency, can he not? Yeah, so exactly. you could still do that as a rookie, and then mm -hmm. you could still do that with Nick Martin. I mean, and this is why um, Supercoach and Dream Team, okay, we've always had that ability and we've been able to trade into red dots to get that bench because at the end of the day with the rolling lockout, we're more experienced. AF, it's sort of you know, the cash generation happens from the first game and so on and yeah. so forth. And often, if you do have someone that flies, like let's just say Nick Martin, like yeah, let's use him. Yeah. 80,000 growth already. It's a lot so of money. Now what's happening is if you haven't started him in your squad of 30, mm -hmm. you're actually trading into a guy that others have already got 80,000 coin banked on. Correct. Banked potentially 130 points on field. Yeah. The biggest thing that people forget is, but they've got to do it, okay? There's no choice. You no, have no, to no. Do it. You have to bring him in. That's a no-brainer. Yes. But the problem with this is the people that own him already have that trade to utilize to actually make more money or Somewhere more else. points. Yeah. You see what I mean? And they might have the, like, I mean, Louie and I were only talking about it the other day. They might decide that they want to restructure their whole team. Well, you yeah. can have that ability if you started these guys and you don't actually have any issues with rookie. You can you can decide, oh, I don't feel comfortable with three midfield premiums. I want four. Well, you yes. can actually restructure it now and you've got the choice to do so. So, and this is where the strategy comes in, yeah? But DT players and F super coach players have had that experience on doing that. 
Whereas I think AF is only starting to get to that maturity level now, especially with the rolling lockout that's only been in for the 12 Well, that, that's the that's the ingredient, isn't it? The AFL fantasy coaches and, and the past two years with it being COVID affected in terms of the way and where and how the game's played. Um, it is a new strategy, the same way it is for coaches that seven or eight years ago moved into AFL fantasy from a dream team or super coach. It, it takes a little while to pick up the moving price cycles every week strategy to know the type of players you should or shouldn't be targeting and when to make the move. I think the converse is now that the rolling lockouts are here to stay in AFL fantasy. It's the, well, how do I maximize every 30 position, not just for cash components, but also for the scoring and versatility components. So I just want to just highlight two little things here as sure. well. DPP, I know everyone says values king, whatever. DPP is king, okay? Flexibility is king. Versatility is in king. In this instance. But what you've got to do now is you've actually got to start paying attention to where the matches fall within the round and work out the best plan yeah. of attack. Because we're going to have red dots continually on every line as we move forward. You can only see Decon in right now. Every single person right now should have a red dot in their defensive lines because of Sam DeConning. Like he was the one of the highest picked um, defensive rooks because he was the only defensive rook at rookie <laughs> price. So you yeah. see what I mean? So a large percentage of people should have a red dot right now in the defensive line. Now, years ago, we would have gone, you know what, we still want to maintain and generate some cash with that red dot. But the fact is, you can actually use that strategically and actually see if you can bank a few points by using a loophole option with it. Yeah. What about you? What's your take on, on that, Louis? I, I know we could spend a lot of time on red dot strategy, but that's certainly you've come from more of an AFL fantasy has been the primary function and format you've played and you're, you're growing and exploring more in the others. How have you found that kind of that internal wrestle for, for yourself and coaches that are AFL fantasy coaches and are processing through this ex, exploration of red dot strategy? Yeah, it's certainly um, a moving strategy year to year and COVID sort, certainly um, amplified that a little bit. I think somebody like a Sam DeConning, um, every coach knows how to use the VC, the captain loop. That's yeah, fine. Correct. But Sam DeConning could actually be a little bit of a blessing for us because he comes with that defensive forward status. And That's what right. we know is rookies is rookie roulette week to week, hmm. certainly early on in the season. So with that defensive forward status, the opportunity he actually gives us is that we can now loop him to loop the best uh, rookies on field. And you, you in saw in round positions. one, yeah. that might mean getting a Nick Martin who scored 130 versus a Tristan uh, Cherry who got who about 71 yeah. points. So you're improving your side by 70 points. And maybe on the flip side, you've also stuck the VC on a on a Christian Petrarca on the Wednesday night. You've doubled yeah, 200, right. uh, You've doubled 140 points. The 280 points instead of taking your, your fallback option, which might have been a, a um, Tom Mitchell type. Yeah, who Tom went 80, Mitchell, 90 Josh off. Kelly, yeah. Jack Steele. A lot of the guys actually did um, fail to fire in round one. And that's what we see in the early rounds. So I think that red dot strategy has opened up new opportunities for coaches. Uh, it's just about being aware of the fixture, like Rid yep. said, and being aware of the risks that come with that. So last year, I think it was round 19. I was looping in my um, defensive line. Mm -hmm. I had a um, 
might have been a who's is it Briggs? He had the defensive status last year. Kieran Briggs from uh, Kieran yeah, Briggs GWS. Yep. Yeah, he, Luke, yeah, he definitely did. Yeah, <laughs> Luke him. Uh, I think I copped a laid out with COVID. It might have been like a Callum Mills, Toby Green type thing. Sure. Um, couldn't do anything about it, and I copped a donut because of it. So coaches just need to be aware of that rolling yeah, of course. and how to navigate it. Again, every coach plays with a different set of strategy, different ways of watching through the weekend. Some are, are like they don't get a chance to be near their phones and, and know what's going on. And so different strategies only work for certain coaches based on how risk averse they are, how available and flexible they are to be able to get to the app they need to be able to make the moves. Um, so there's all of those variables. I think you're both right. You did bring up this interesting point, and I'm keen to get both of your guys' takes on this. There were some underperforming premiums. I think, to be fair, they got balanced out in our scoring with just how good our cows were. I, I would be shocked if Rochelle, Hayes, or Martin performed to that level again this year. So, MJ, I just want yeah. to say something here. So, I was listening. Um, I was listening to something earlier today. It might have been um, on Selby's pod. Maria's Yep. Yeah. So they were saying, okay, Nick Martin before round one his best disposal count was 24 in the waffle and he yep. had only kicked one goal or best you know, never more than four in a waffle before yeah. yeah but he rocks up to the afl and he has 27 and kicks five yeah it's amazing so if anyone out there is expecting that to happen every week you like check yourself right here yeah no our cows are still our a rookie yeah our cow expectation is hey if you go over 50 now, maybe it can be a little bit higher with some of these other top-end guys like a Horn Francis. Not a Horn Francis, oh, you could. But Dacos, who's got a real cushy role and, and just a fantasy beast for years. Anytime they go over 60, it's just gravy and money. But I think they did balance out the poor Crisp, the poor Whitfield, the poor it short was, probably it got was all in the defensive line, mate. <laughs> and, let, and it really was like, even though some of the mids that, that Louis mentioned, um, it didn't have great games. Um, the backs were really where we were hurting outside of in super coach where a couple of our premiums did all right. Some stepping stone sort of guys like a, a Hewitt um, and a Sicily were more than all right. And then a Dan Houston, who's been the forever tease premium, had an absolute blinder. We had these three or four really interesting names that didn't do well. I know the initial conversation, Rids, is keep the faith and back in your premiums. And I'm keen to explore that strategy in a second. But Rids, talk to me through these three guys and every team is unique and has different objectives and different elements. So for coaches that might be in a position to look at these underperforming premiums, and they're in a format where they can really explore that, what is the process coaches should be doing from a strategic perspective? Okay, MJ, I say this week in, week out, okay? Watch the games. Yes. Yeah? I, I preach it. Just watch the games. The reason why I'm encouraging people to watch the games is you can get an eye test for whoever. It doesn't matter what performance, doesn't matter where they play. You actually see it with your own eyes. Is there a game of style? Is there a game playing change? Is there something that's actually totally different that just didn't feel right? Sure. But I'm, 
I okay, so I'm going to go off a little bit of a rant here. I'm All right, sorry, buckle up, Louis. Here we go. So the problem I got with this is you can't just make a blanket like comment that it's one fits everything. Like I know old time DT and old time AF and everything else. It's back to premiums, back to premiums, back sure. to premiums. But there's only one winner every year, is there not? So, I mean, no matter what your goal is in life should depend in that game should depend on what you do. Now, if you're playing that game for a league perspective and not overall, why should they trust the premiums? Yeah. Mm. They don't need to, there's not blind faith. You're not married to this person. You've just selected them in your team. Like you don't get a five year commitment and then you just go, Oh, look, it's, it's not like that. Yeah. It's, it's not, not really. No. No, it's, it's, you know, so you have to play for what your agenda is for the game and for your enjoyment. Mm -hmm. If you sat there and you watched a player and it made you want to spew for the whole game and you just did not enjoy that game, trade them. It's a game. You want to enjoy it. Own the players you want to enjoy, yeah? And the other thing that I'm not seeing on that is by people saying just back who you started, okay, that's fine. And 99% of times that's correct, yeah? Mm. But what about that one where it isn't, you know? And you're sitting there and you're telling someone who has absolutely destroyed their season because they haven't backed their gut and backed their eye and traded that person out, that that kills a season. And we've all been on that, haven't we? Yep. We've all had that premium that's gone 30 points, 40 points under what we thought they were going to have. We just hope that it's not unique. Yeah. Otherwise, that really destroys your season. But often it is. So, I mean, just back yourself in. I say this all the time. Like, before round one, and we hear it in AFL Fantasy all the time, value is king, yeah? Yes. We hear it. All the time. Oh, you don't go top dollar. You don't do this. You don't do that. But then suddenly after round one, it's like, no, you stick to the gun. You stick to the premiums. You don't. Guess what? There might have been a value option that came in round one that you went, oh, I really like the look of that. Let's say Lipinski. Mm. I really Lipinski was in the middle. He was doing this. He was doing that. Matt Rao. I know a few people, you know, that's just a mistake. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes the only option in your team is to trade a premium to this midfielder, this stepping stone potential or breakout premium, however you want to think, and have a bank, have a go both ways. Like, if I said to you, MJ, after watching that game on the weekend, that Matt hmm. Rell averaged 105, would you be absolutely, especially in Supercoach, would you be surprised? I wouldn't be if he stayed on the park. Uh, if but Matt Rell stays on the park, He's absolutely going to push well past that hundred marker in AFL so, fantasy, and so and isn't that maybe one ten. It's about, isn't and, that value for the output? I think so. so and, why has one game changed the thought process of value is king? Because I just because you that. started with someone, just fix it. Yeah, and it's a game. It's a trading game. Yeah. It's totally. not a starting game. It's not a starting squad game. No, and that's the thing trading. that drives my head 
right? You can have, and you go and have a look, okay, at all the past winners. They've all started. They've always had an awful round one or whatever. Yeah. It's not a starting squad game. It's a Doesn't training matter. game. The yeah. reason why they get themselves back in is because other people are poorly trading yeah. or you have traded or they have traded so much better that they've caught up in a matter of minutes and they've gone past all the others. Yep. It's one or the other or bad luck. Often it's bad luck, you know. You think about how many times we start, mate, in round one and we get a guy. Let's just say someone comes out and does 120. I'm just trying to remember. A couple of years ago, I remember Brad Ebert. He yeah. came out and went. I still oh. remember that year. 120, 120, 110. And then he got injured round yeah. four or whatever it was. And that's not a bad selection. That's just, just bad luck. Bad luck. Yeah, well, you know? Adam Chera owners are experiencing bad luck. Right now. Bailey Smith owners are experiencing bad luck. I, I think value is always important, as is points on field. Um, I, I would not be opposed to somebody that doesn't have right now a Matt Rowell. Now, again, this is on the premise that they've got those cows that Louis talked about correct. earlier. Um, those are the most important things to, to correct with. And, and, you know, using a Nick Martin as an illustration. In AFL Fantasy, I don't have him. Both you boys do. And so you've got an additional trade to be explorative that I don't. So I've got to correct that while you guys have this opportunity to make another move. And, and based on statistics, a lot of coaches are in the, you've got to make that corrective trade. But and someone might be times, in a position. So go. How many times? And value is so important and it's understated, okay? Yeah. That's, but it's overstated when it comes to your starting squad. Yeah. What people have missed is there's often guys that change their role. Look at Luke McDonald only two years ago. He changed his role mid-season. Look at Aaron Hall last year. Yeah. Had a role change. He came, he missed round one. I think he started a sub in round two from a couple memory. Of weeks in, yeah. And then he had a role change where he went to the back line and he was the number one defender for the year, pretty much. You know, there are opportunities here. Now, I'm going back. There's a lot of people that may not even remember who this guy is, but Mitch Clark up in Brisbane, when oh, Brisbane, Louis was five. Was Clark, Don't do that. Keating and a few others got injured. The number one rucks up there at the time. I think Charman was there. Yeah. Um, Mitch Clark then became the number one ruck halfway through the year. And he went on a hundred average tear for the remainder of that year. That's right. Like this happens year after year. So it's okay to be fooled by preseason games at times. We often don't have enough data to make that outcome decision based off just one game. But if you watch the game and you use your eyes and you trust your gut, at least you won't have regrets, yeah, if you are making the wrong trade. It's true. I, I suppose, Louis, a, a potential example of that and keen on your thoughts on this, mate, would be a Sierra Jaden Short owner, and a Caleb Sarong owner. Both you're anticipating for whatever reasons to still be good. You've got all the right cows, but you didn't have Hewitt and you don't have Rao. That's the kind of approach where you can be moving to and, and making some of these trades, isn't it? It is. And that's where you figure out whether or not these players can score in line and acknowledge that these guys are actually going to generate you cash over the next well. couple of weeks too. So if that does go wrong, if they get injured, if their scoring regresses, at least you know, well, hang on, I might be able to jump off this guy and let's say Jaden Short or a Caleb Sarong, they're popping now. They're going 100 every single week. 
they're likely at a lower price um, at that stage or they're at a comparable price where you can actually go up to them um, just because you've used this guy as a stepping stone and you're just as well off in terms of points because you jumped, them, jumped off them when they were scoring poorly and you've jumped on when they're going well. So um, I think sideways trading does cop a bit of a bad rep and that's mm. probably because later on in the season, it's not what you want to be doing unless you've got Agreed. that completed side. But in round one, it is the perfect opportunity it's to correct. do so. Correct. So let's look at the forward line, for example. I don't sure. think anybody expected Nick Martin, Jack Hayes, Josh Rochelle, even throw Tristan Cherry in there to score yeah. like they did. Yep. And you might have started one rookie on field in the forward line. Some people didn't start a single rookie on field in the forward line. Sure. But maybe you got all your rookies right. Your mid prices are looking okay. You like your premiums, but you're going, oh, how can I get a Nick Martin? How can I get a Jack Hayes? How can I get a Josh Rochelle onto my field? Oh, well, I've got Jaden Short sitting there. Let's trade in. Um, let's go Sam Skinner. Let's chuck sure. him on the bench and then let's move um, into the utility position and choose somebody that can actually score in line with a Jaden Short or outperform while in being able to line. get a rookie on field that you actually want. So I realize that's two different lines, but that's just my line of thinking where I'm going, all right, Jaden Short scored. I think it was a 68. So average score. Yeah. I'm sure he will uh, bounce back. Yeah, but he turned up in super You can actually turn yeah. him into someone who's going to score um, five, 10 points more. So let's look at a, a, a Lockie Neal isn't too much oh. of a jump up from that. He's going to go, what, 105, 110? Yeah. Jaden Short, 95, maybe get up to 100. You're still getting the points on your field while adjusting your structure and actually setting yourself up for later on in the season. So, um, and I know I gave um, a little bit of different advice on the pod pod on Monday, but often it does take a couple of days to digest what's happening and how to actually use your team to its advantage. So um, I think round one, uh, if you're ever going to do it, it's the time to do it. Uh, yeah, but I think so. Go having ahead. said that, so Louis, don't forget, Monday's the perfect time where everyone should be in there and doing that reverse trade, reverse trade, yeah. reverse trade, exploring every opportunity, every yeah. option. Correct. And then letting it settle for a day or two. Yeah. And then coming up with what suits them and their team. Because every team is unique. Yes. We can't be making advice that's a blanket throw over the top of every team because the reality is not every team's same because every team is unique. Mm -hmm. Both so, in players, so often, makeup, strategy, focus. So this stuff. is what we should be encouraging people to do is what Louis just mentioned. Yeah. He went in, he tried a few things, he had the initial thought process. And then guess what? It's okay to change your mind, yeah, after you've yeah. played and you've gone, you know what? This works better for my team than this way. Mm. There's just not one rule that fits everyone. That's all. And I just want people to explore that, okay? So, but again, it's up to everyone else. But you've got to back your own gut. You don't want to have regrets. But MJ, it's, more, it's just as important to watch guys that you don't own as it is that you do own. Yep. And this is something that people forget, yeah? So mm. if you're sitting in that North Melbourne game last week and you're going, oh, my God, Aaron Hall, wow, <laughs> and you're feeling actually sick 
to the point that you don't own him and yeah. you knew that you were going to if he just got through that first hamstring injury. That's right. That that would make you so sick that you he just becomes must-have, yeah? Or maybe you weren't sure on a Sicily or maybe you weren't sure with Lipinski with well, that injury. Correct. You know, guess what? If you were going to start them before that injury and that was your intention and you spent 90% yeah. of preseason because they missed one preseason game. Things and changed. so you ended up going, oh, I'm going to bring in two because he's the safest option. Often the most money, like the highest paid, like the price, sorry, isn't the safest option. The safest option is often the mid pricer because it's all relative. Mm. Like it's dollar points per dollar output. So someone like Lipinski or Crouch or whoever it was, Cordwell. Let's Crips, look at Cordwell. Perfect, yeah? Yeah. Cordwell is, look at what he did after Langford went off injured. Maybe yeah, people were watching and went, oh, my God, his minutes on the midfield went through the roof. His CBAs went through the roof. Langford's out for the next 10 weeks, you know, unfortunately for him. But guess what? That opens an opportunity for potentially a Cordwell to come in and become that 9,500 guy that we really want. And just because you traded this guy in doesn't mean you have to keep him for the year. Yeah. Maybe when Langford comes back, you go, you know what? I've generated enough points. I've generated enough cash. And that's a direct. And sometimes, and you know this yourself, MJ, look at Tex last year, yeah? Yep. At no stage did Tex feature in anyone's pre-round one team. No. But who no. was the best stepping stone in the first six rounds of last year? It was Tex, Tex Walker. You can't predict these things at times. It's all about getting more information. And with more information, it helps you inform different structures and strategies. I, I think all of those ingredients and elements help make you great coaches. And the good thing is if you make a mistake, that's okay. In life, it, it's a game. You, you, you just fix it. It's fine. If you a Nick Martin non-owner by Sunday night last week, that's okay. Make the corrective trade and move on. If you go and had a couple of bad weeks with these premium defenders and a Jake Lloyd, um, not named on Thursday last week, ruined your plans. Like, ah, oh, traded into short, and I really did, or a crisp, and I really didn't want him. Well, that's okay. There's no reason not to make those adjustment trades. It's absolutely uh, okay to do that. I'm, I'm keen before we do hit some of our Patreon questions, lads, just to come back to some of those defenders a little bit, um, because you're right, Aaron Hall, it, if he's fit, he's clear and supreme, um, the number one defender in my eyes. But there are a couple of guys that just didn't have great, maybe not roles, but didn't have great scores and have players questioning them. So I'm keen to get both of your boys' takes on each of these players. I want to work you through maybe three or four defender premiums that were relatively popular and whether or not a coach should consider moving them on. Again, the premise is that not premise, the variable is cows and who they do or don't have. But let's assume they're, they're corrected with all the right cows. Could a coach or should a coach consider them? Let me go with the first one. Jack Crisp. Louis to you first. Is there a world where you'd be comfortable to move him on or is it back him in and wait a week? Look, there's always a world where you can, MJ. If you think you can find someone who can outscore him or if you think you can find someone you can go down to that can score in line and use that extra cash to 
bolster up another line or another player and get some extra points on field, then that's always viable. But sure. um, it's important to remember, especially with round one, that scores are always going to be volatile. And that's for a lot of different reasons. Clubs come out um, in a lot of different ways. Some are just chomping at the bit to play footy. Um, others are a little bit lackluster, laxy daisy. They give up points. Um, some some players just are slow to start and they kick uh, they kick on in round two. I think we saw that from Jack Steele and Took Miller last year, where they yeah they, they went under eighty and then went on to go one hundred and twenty for just the season. So um, as an umbrella to what we've all spoken about um, for this podcast, it is important to to use information. Um, that you see and go from there. So there's nothing wrong with backing them in after week one and seeing how they go in week two. There's every chance, and we've seen it before, Jack Chris can pop a, a 140. All yeah. of a sudden, that average comes up to a 95, which is about yeah. what you've paid for them anyway. So, yeah, problem so, solved. Um, it's about not being too reactionary as well. And as you always like to say, MJ, it's building that narrative as to why you think a player um, is performing that way. Sometimes it's an anomaly. Sometimes hmm. it's the beginning of a trend. That's what makes round one trading so difficult. Yeah. And in hindsight, it can be so painful as well because let's say you did trade Jack Crisp and he does pop that 140 and you went down to a... Yeah, you're just um, embedding in that bad score, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah. So, And you're locking in that loss of cash too. So um, I'm not going to advise a coach to go either which way. It's just about identifying whether or not that's going to help your side. No, it's good. Um, yeah, sorry, Rids. I, I think I was cutting you off there. Is no, Jaden Short right. in a similar? Nah, forget Jaden Short. Let's okay. go back to Jack Crisp. For okay, one of course second. we are. And we don't need it to be Jack Crisp. This goes across all of them. Okay, any player across your team. Don't forget, if you trade them out this week, you're living with them scoring that poor score in round one, anyways. Okay, so if you still believe, and we've got enough data over the last few years, okay, mm -hmm. with Jack Crisp, for instance, and I'll make it Jack Crisp. If you still think he's going to average 100 for the season across the next 21 games, just do a little bit of maths. You know he's going to have to average more than 100 every game to have a season average of 100 because right yeah. now he's sitting on 51. Yeah. So if that's your firm belief, you have to stick with them because you're yeah. actually getting value right now. Yeah. Forget the money that you've lost. Forget everything else. I Doesn't know the matter. break even game happens and everyone gets yeah. focused on break evens, but don't forget it's the team that scores the most points that wins. Okay. You can't go and say to the bank, Oh, well, give me back that 25 grand that Jack lost last week on me because I want to <laughs> go and invest it on Aaron Hall. That doesn't work like that. Yeah. No. Nah. But, again, you've got to try and work through this, yeah? So, Jaden Short, for instance, okay? Let's go back to Jaden Short. And what I'll do is I'll just give an example of what I noticed with Jack Jaden Short. Yeah. I look at that Richmond team, and I don't see any small defender that plays a lockdown role on any of the small forwards for the opposition. No. Um, now, I only watch this on TV, so a lot of this is assumptions as well. Yeah, not at the game, and so the nuances you miss, I get. But during the season, and we've had enough viewage of this, we've seen Jaden Short run into open space, try and grab the ball. He demands the ball to go yes. to him. 
and then he actually distributes it. We've seen the team actually use him and look for him many, many, many occasions. We didn't see that at all last week. No. So at points, we didn't even see him running into space. There was no chips. There was Richmond's style was they gave it to Rioli and they just moved the ball quickly, okay? They Mm, ran it. Surge, yeah. Now, that sort of fitted into the Jaden Short um, narrative from years gone by. That's how he's played and that's how he's prospered and he's done really well and that's why he's a a real premium defender option and he's going to be good. There's going to be a point in time this year that we're going to say, oh, Jaden Short, you know, he's going well. (laughs) But you think about it, and Louis, you were the first one to highlight this a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was on the pod pod as well. Now, we know that Kerno didn't play for Carlton on the weekend, or last week, Mm. but it's an awful matchup, isn't it? Like, Kerno's potentially a lockdown forward on the most attacking defender. And what do you think is going to happen this week with GWS if Short gets off the chain in the first quarter? I reckon Matt DeBoer gets sent to him pretty much straight away. And we saw a little bit of that last week with the um, Sydney game when um, Blakey got off the chain a little bit. Yeah, he played much more accountable on him. So I would be saying to people with Jaden Short specifically, watch the team. If a Mansell or a Stack or someone who can play that lockdown small like defender role on the best small forward, then you're probably feeling safer about that. Yeah, you're feeling a bit more better. But often we look and we're trying to jump at shadows and we're trying to give ourselves a bit of confidence to go one way or the other. Um, But I wouldn't be talking anyone out of keeping him. I wouldn't be talking anyone out of trading them because it's an individual decision and it's all based on what your team is and the most urgent need in your team. No. And Louis is 100% correct with what he just said, you know. And, I mean, I, I, I don't often go into my thoughts for the week's trades or anything sure. like that because I don't think this discussion's about me ever. But no, it's about the fantasy, okay? I've pretty much nailed the rookies. So Great. I'm actually exploring maybe a Jack Crisp down to a mid-price option. Sure. So I can actually get, say, an Owens up to a Lipinski type. Perfect. You know, so I'm actually removing a problem rookie that's not generating cash and going to small points on field. Now, that they're the options that I could have. Of course, I can go rookie to rookie. That's always there as you do. Of course. If you need to. If you're not sure on a combination, you can always go back to the default, yeah? Yep. And look, we're going to have rookies this week, mate. We're already seeing the possibility of Josh Sim. We're seeing the possibility Skinner. of Skinner. You know, there's going to be others. Hollands, we don't know where he's at right now. Yeah, he'd now, be close. But at some stage, he's going to get a game, yeah? Yeah. Bruce um, in Supercoach and DT is, what is about, certainly closer um, there. We know that there's a couple of Geelong boys around that. Price, yeah, Cooper you know? Stevens isn't far off, yeah. But this is why I keep saying to people, just explore. So do what feels comfortable, you know? But not there's not one rule for everyone. No. No, I think, and I think, you know, you've, you've both been excellent on this episode of really driving the strategy and the logic and the thought process for people through to help inform them to make decisions here at the coaches panel for, um, for as many years as we've been doing this. It's never been about you should do A, you should not do B. It's always been explaining the thought process and hopefully that empowers you to make the most informed so, decision for you. 
There's another part of this as well, MJ. Yes, please. Now, and then we've got Patreon. It's only a week through. ago. Go back a week. Why did you select player A in your team? How long yeah. have they spent in your team? Was it for the whole preseason? Because generally they're the guys that you want to back in. Okay. Yeah. If they've the Whitfield types. You don't want to trade them for a week. If you were comfortable with Aaron Hall from day one, you stick with him. If you were comfortable with Jack Crisp from day one, you stick with him. Sure. Because that's the way that you've structured it. And if you've had three, four months of playing with teams and structures and everything else, and he hasn't left your team, then back him in. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. And it doesn't matter what Joe blogs down the road or some fool on Twitter tells you. Just back hmm. them in. That's your team. You're the coach. It's your decision. Just empower yourself to be as best as you can and to use sound logic and to actually back yourself in, yeah? Yeah, no, I really, really like that. Some good advice for you lads uh, along the way. Let's jump into a couple of our Patreon questions. Uh, for those Patreons that have asked them, a lot of your questions, we've tried to answer them through the way we've built the structure of this uh, podcast, but there are a couple more player or, or specific ones. And Louis, we'll go to you with this one because it is AFL fantasy related. It's from Brendan Wright. He says, in AFL fantasy, would you hold Justin McInerney or would you consider moving him on to generate cash? in order to affording getting the right rookie that he missed. He's named Martin as the one. He has considered Foley due to the break-even, but he's worried about job security. I'll answer the first part of the question, then I'm keen on your player-specific one. And the big part is, yes, you need to do something to get Martin. So, so absolutely, that's critical trade number one. Now, let's talk about McInerney. Was there enough for you to jump off? And then the player he mentioned there, Foley, is that an option for him? Well, yeah, it's about working through why you actually picked Justin McInerney in the first place. Um, and look, I dare say that it might have been off the back of that preseason performance where he did, I think he did turn up, didn't he, MJ? Yeah, he played very nice on the outside. And, and that game was a very skinny gr- game. Like Whitfield was poor. All the outside players for both teams were pretty poor last week. Yeah, they were. But I, I would still be asking myself, is this a player that I think can go 85, 90 for the, yeah. for the, at least the foreseeable future at that price? Because we've got a James Sicily, a George Hewitt. I think most coaches selected them thinking, okay, if this guy can go 80, 85, that's a pass mark. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about Justin McInerney, who I think he was up about that 580K range. So just yeah. ask yourself, did you see enough in that round one? Is it that anomaly? Um, and is it going to be better off for my team for cash generation for points on field the works to actually go down to maybe you do do a Luke Foley you get up to yeah. Martin is that cash generated and is this on field score going to be comparable to to what you're thinking it may be if that ends up being a better option than Justin McInerney then just go for it you're never gonna there's no point looking back at these types of things and you always got to end up backing a guy. It just comes down to that. And um, look, I couldn't tell you if Justin McInerney is going to average 90. There's a good chance that he could, you know, he did it in the final five games of 2021, didn't he? Coming home. Maybe yeah. Jake Lloyd not being there actually affected his score negatively. Yeah. And those are those variables that we've all got to put into pieces. And again, if he, if the only way for him to get Martin is McInerney, well, then, okay, well, th- now we're talking about different strategies, but there might be other avenues. There may be, 
uh, you know, just picking a mid price. So that might have been it. May have been a Will Brody. With if Fife is back this week, there might be some cause for concern there. So just like you know, Rids and Louis talked about throughout this episode, play around with all the different structures and strategies and players and ways to get there. Because and I think MJ, that's a great point. Yeah. Look past next week as well. Correct. Is Justin McInerney going to be someone you do want to offload in round three or four if he doesn't perform? We yeah. might not be able to. We saw with the health and safety protocols for Chera, which came out today all of a sudden you've got a trade that all week you weren't planning to do. And now all of a sudden, Oh no. Okay. I've got to look at how I can, I can use this. So just make sure that you've got your priorities straight plan your next two, three weeks out. Where do you want to be? Is that cash generation going to be more important to you than keeping a Justin McInerney? Yeah, I, I think that's good. Sorry, go Ritz. And MJ, I'm going to just jump in because this is really important as well. Look at your bench. Yes. Is there someone there that you can trust to fill in for a week? Like with an Adam Cherry, okay, you may actually have a midfield bench that could actually go on to the field and, you know, get a 40, 50, whatever, Connor McDonald type. Um, whereas with a McInerney, like... Is there a bench cover for someone like that as well? Because often that's half the battle with this is going, well, where should I take the risk and where shouldn't I take the risk is often Mm. dependent on what's available at that point in time as well. It's not as risky as you think either. As we saw how thin the defensive line was to start the year, most coaches are rocking a Patrick McCartan at D7, D6. Yeah. So you're really just matching the rest of the competition and you're getting off a guy who maybe you're not so keen on. I'm not sure how unique um, Justin McInerney is. I think he did get up there. He, um, he was, I think it was around the 20%-ish in AFL fantasy. It's certainly plummeted a little bit more over the past few days. But to your point, it may still need to hold um, with one or two more But I'll tell you what, protocols. though, MJ, with McInerney, is a 45 as bad for a McInerney at that price tag or a 51 for crisp at his higher price tag. And I mean, exactly this is where right. if you've got it's a relative. six and you're comparing them to a Malera. Yeah, it's relative, well, isn't it, to the many price? Points, did you? Like Malera yeah. ended up with 50-odd. Like you've only lost seven points. And you might have been able to, in the midfield, start a Chera or a crisp or someone at a lower price. You might have, de- you might have decided, I'm not going to go Took, I'm going to go Neil. Yeah, And suddenly you're already 20 points clear in that space. So it, again, it's not a one-to-one matchup as well. No, it's often, the combination. But people get so focused on that one guy that they just can't remove that focus at all. Yeah, it becomes the stumbling block to enjoyment. And then that's a and, different reason for trading then. And I know that you've probably heard me say this and whinge and carry on like an idiot about it. But, I mean, how many times have we seen a guy come out in a quarter and score 50 and then only scores 90 for the match? Just because they've done it in a quarter doesn't mean they're going to do it every quarter. Same thing with round one. Just because they've come out and scored 43 this week doesn't mean they're going to score 43 next week. So just keep an open mind, okay? Yeah, I think that's some really, really good advice. Rids, a question for you um, here from, uh, who is he now? He's gone. Stephen Summers has a question. What was your thoughts on the game of Sheldrick from Sydney? And is he a cow we should be keeping an eye on? No. <laughs> Move uh, on. Next. Uh, 
No, so I, really, I don't think he even gets named this week. To be well, fair, well, comments um, from Horse Longmire sounded like he's going to um, bide his time in the VFL. For yeah, a it felt of like weeks. a here's a taste. Now, now go, now get back. Yeah, and, and we, and we saw that from Mitch Owens as well. I think. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I felt um, that a few games in the lower division would actually develop him a lot more than being thrown into the AFL, and I'm pretty sure that the messaging out of Sydney is that's the case. Yeah, it was I thought it was health and safety protocols with Warner and Lloyd missing were probably the only reason he got the opportunity more than anything else. So yeah, probably not. Um Louis AFL fantasy question. Chris wants to know um is there a, any decent options between 300 and 450k in that price range or should he be looking down right towards the Skinner and Sin types who, who are likely to debut. Again, not named at time of recording. Yeah, I've had a look at that um, price tag a little bit, MJ, and I just can't help but feel like it's a bit of no man's land there. Yeah. So unless you're looking at a Luke Foley who, look, I'm not going to convince a coach not to pick because he's got that 11 break even. So there is upside There's there money in there. terms of where he's priced at and what cash generation he's actually going to develop but outside of that there's not a lot of guys that are screaming value and there's not a lot of guys that have that lower break even so i'd be more inclined to to jump down um maybe have a look at a josh or something like that yeah. um you've got jackson mead he should have a little bit of added job security with um i think rosie's picked up an injury so uh, and dersman might not be any guarantee to play either so yeah I'd be more inclined to go down and use that cash elsewhere because you've got what 200k doing that. Yeah. Instead of actually getting onto this guy who's in that no man's land territory of 350 to 450k, you're basically going to be riding that until you can get up to someone or you're just going to go down anyway. Yeah, and chances are Foley's a one week play. Anyway, exactly. you need multiple weeks to really make it worthwhile. Well, we're going to see Witherden, Duggan return, let alone all the other blokes. Potentially Shuey, Kelly. 26 blokes on that injury list. They're all yeah, going to I want nothing to do with West side. Coast at the moment. There, there is so many unknown variables about that team. That and, and throw COVID into the mix too, because they're going to be the ones that are going to be affected as well. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. I, I think that's good. I think pretty much every other Patreon question, we've worked our way through this um, strategy part of the podcast. So so John, Ian, other John, Matt, Craig, AJS and Sam, all brilliant questions, but we were able to integrate them for you all the way in uh, to this podcast. Uh, Julie as well, a couple of others in there. So thank you for that. Hey, lads, as always, appreciate your work on these uh, midweek trade and strategy podcast. Rids, as always, a pleasure, mate. So, mate, just a quick one on Luke Foley, okay? Yes, I did please. a little bit of um, play around with Luke Foley through the week in AFL Fantasy. Mm. Um, now, there was a couple of things that I think we got con- I got confused with, um, and I sort of did a little bit of work on this. Um, Luke Foley, I feel, is a draft proposition for a keeper league mm-hmm. because of the Hearn factor retiring, Dugan being moved into the midfield. And sometimes we get a little bit conflicted and we forget who's missing and who's not missing and potential scores. So Luke um, Foley last year when he came into the team, he had a good couple of rounds there where he scored 67 and 90 against Carlton and Richmond. But then he sort of went back down to that 45, 50 point bracket when there was a few more resources in the back line. So the problem we got with Luke Foley is We've actually got some of those guys like an Ainsworth and McCartan 
mm. at much lower points, like um, price tags, they could actually really, they, they could be a 60 average type guy, you know, and they've got reasonably decent job security. Whereas I don't think Foley's shown enough to be that person. And I don't think the job security is there either. So I, I don't know whether that helps whoever that was that asked no. that question before, but that's where I sort of fell when I did a bit of work around Luke Foley earlier in the week. Right. It speaks it, to that volatility too, Rid. So it does. What, Jack Steele scored about an 80 in AFL fantasy. He's not mm-hmm. an 80 guy. He's a 110 plus guy. Luke Foley on the other end of the spectrum goes 100. Well, history suggests he's more of a 50 to 60 guy. So things will correct themselves throughout the season. So that big shiny 100 and the break even, which is tempting, and I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to convince any coach not to jump on it because sure. I may be well off, and there's no doubt he's probably going to make 50, 60, 70. Yeah, he'll make money for you, no question. If he if he continues if to he's get playing. a game, but it does come down to that round one volatility with the lack of data and just being careful not to to jump at shadows and being careful not to be enamored with a single score from a single player. No, it's good. Hey, uh, Louis has always made an absolute pleasure from you, mate. Some ripping advice from you as well on this episode, buddy. Thanks, mate. Bring on round two when uh, I think the game's going to open up just a little bit more. There's going to be a few more options and there's going to be a lot more strategy to talk. So round one can be quite constricting in what you can do and and where you can actually pivot because um, outside of those rookies, everything that you've done the whole mm-hmm. preseason has come into one with that round one starting side. So there's not a lot of reason to divert from that unless you have made a big mistake. Yeah. I love the advice you lads have given. Uh, We cannot wait to get into round two. Lots to dissect from that. Our Patreons, uh, they've got some exclusive content right throughout this week. You can check that out. If you're not a Patreon, you can go and grab that. One of those things is a round review episode that drops on a Monday with me, as well as a bunch of other stuff. All the links, if you love what you got from the Coaches Panel this year, throughout the preseason and into the season proper, if you want to get that, coachespanel.tv has all the links. While you're there, uh, the break-evens are up. uh, Articles dropping every couple of days and uh, the ultimate footy waiver-wise kickoff in the next couple of weeks from Jordox, as well as a bunch of other stuff that we're always dropping at coachespanel.tv. Good luck in round two. I hope your captain kills it. I hope you win rookie roulette. And we can't wait to chat to you again next week as we enter into a very important round three. <laughs>